brothers and sisters, welcome to the Christian Fishers of Men podcast. We are on episode 26. I am your host, Alan, and uh, I'm excited for, for today. So today, as promised, we will be going through, uh, we're starting with the first General, Tom, General Conference talk, um, Elder Oaks. Now I posted this as the midweek spiritual boost last week. I'm going to be covering it uh, right now. And then I'll be posting another midweek spiritual boost uh, tomorrow, which will probably be today to you. So be looking for the second talk. It'll be from Elder Uchtdorf, Jesus Christ is the Strength of Youth. So we're going to be going through these. I think that, you know, it was funny because I I have... um, I've been listening to a lot of other uh, podcasts and stuff like that, and you know, it's one of those things. It would be really easy to to go for numbers, to try to to boost those types of things, views, clicks, and all that jazz, right? All that YouTube stuff. Um, it'd be easy to tickle your ears with all sorts of, of fun gospel topics, you know what I mean? Talking about where Kulab is, or you know, something like that, whatever. Whatever the case may be. There's a lot of things like that, but I really feel that we are in a time where we need to focus. Uh, we need to pay attention to what the brethren, what the foundation uh, is telling us. I, as I watch General Conference, as I listen, and as I am now reading through these talks, man, there is, they are preparing us. We are being prepared for something. We really are. They, they are telling us things, and there's messages here, and there's, there's little underlying things to glean, you know, information to glean from, from their talks. And... I hope that we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, and I hope that we are prepared. You know, the sifting is taking place right now. It really is. I, uh, before we get into this here, just quick little little thought. Me and my wife have been hitting up the, the temple every other week. We did ceilings last week. Um, really awesome. We um, have definitely been noticing a a stronger influence of the Spirit since we've been doing that. And as I sat in church yesterday, as I've said, you know, it's probably hard to believe for a guy that does a podcast and puts out a a message to the world. But I am a pretty quiet guy. You know, I'm I I don't uh, I don't really go out of my way to participate a whole lot or to. You know, to, to jump up and down and, and make noise and stuff. Just just not really my personality. I'm the type of guy that'll sit in the back and listen to everybody else give their testimonies. But yesterday I felt, I, I really did feel the unmistakable uh, urging and push from, from the Spirit to get off the pew and to go up there in front of everybody and to bear my testimony. And so I did, and I... I bore my testimony about what I pretty much always bear my testimony about, you know, and it's it was funny because I could tell that there was 
just bringing up the the fact that we should follow the prophet and and you know I mentioned the fact that how did that ever become a hot a hot button issue you know and there are people in the audience you know that I could tell that were somewhat a little bit triggered about that message you know and it's it's just it's it's funny that we're at that point but we this is the stuff we need to focus on brothers and sisters we need to go through this general conference stuff and we need to we need to hopefully you guys went and you took some notes and we can com compare notes right now but it really is the one of the best things that we can go into and one of the best uses of our time so let's go ahead and get started here with elder oaks so this i don't know if you guys knew this but the prophet was, uh, President Nelson was supposed to get up and address us first, so there was a little bit of a change in the schedule. President Oaks got up and he said, Brothers and sisters, our beloved President Russell M. Nelson will address us later in this session. He has asked me to be the first speaker. Let's pause. <laughs> I wonder, I put a note here and I said, Is this significant? With a question mark. You know, I can't help but feel like this is uh, this could very possibly be significant. Is is could this? I'm putting this out there. Could this be a changing of the guard moment? Is is this a the beginning of of the passing off of a baton from President Nelson to President Oaks? Just a thought, you know. I'm sure that we all noticed that uh, President Nelson, he, was, he wasn't he was 100%, you know what I mean? He had to use a, a stool and stuff like that, and he had to, he didn't talk as much as I, as I thought he would, and I, as I hoped he would, right? So there, there's some stuff there, there's possibly some stuff going on, and without jumping ahead too much, you know, going into his his final talk, was that a goodbye, you know? Was that a goodbye? I don't know. It felt, it sure felt like it, though. It, it, I think we all teared up, I'm sure. But that's what I thought of when I studied this in my notes. Is this a changing of the guard? Interesting. Time will tell. Uh, continuing on, my subject today concerns what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and its members give and do for the poor and distressed. I will also speak of similar giving by other good people. That's kind of interesting that, and, and that really is kind of the, a, like, a theme of this talk. There seems to be a marrying together, a, a unification, a call for unification, a message of unification here, where we're saying, look, we, you know, we're all trying to help here, and we all should be trying to help, and let's try to help without fighting each other, right? Continuing on, giving to those in need is a principle in all Abrahamic religions and in others as well. A few months ago, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints reported for the first time the extent of our humanitarian work worldwide. 
Our 2021 expenditures for those in need in 188 countries worldwide totaled $906 million, almost a billion dollars. That's a lot of cheddar cheese, <laughs> right? That's a lot of money. Um, I, I wouldn't have guessed it would have been that high. I, I, I knew it was a lot. I knew it was in the millions. I didn't think it was almost a billion. That's a lot of money. Uh, in addition, our members volunteered over 6 million hours of labor in the same cause. Uh, those figures are, of course, an incomplete report of our giving and helping. They do not include the personal services our members give individually as they minister to one another in called positions and voluntary member-to-member -member services. And our 2021 report makes no mention of what our members do individually through innumerable charitable organization, charitable organizations not formerly connected with our church. I begin with these. Let's pause here. Uh, I wrote in my notes here, we are the church, right? I love the fact, just reading in my notes here, I love the fact that it's not just the brethren tooting their own horn here or uh, patting themselves on the back. This is very much a we effort, a, a team effort. This is our church, right? This is, this is an our church moment, uh, or like an our church mentality. And I love how President Oaks is approaching this, because it's not a we, the upper echelon of the church, right? It's, it's not like that. It's a, hey, the, the church is doing this, our members are doing this. Like, it's a team thing. He's saying, we are doing this, right? And it's cool, because it's, it's, it really is. It, it, like, we're, we're all a part of that. You know what I'm saying? We all pay our tithing. We all are hopefully uh, donating a generous fast. Um, and, and hopefully we're donating to, if we're able, if we're, you know, if we're financially able, we can even donate to humanitarian aid and stuff like that. We really are a team, and that is a team effort that we are that we are doing and, and allowed to take part in. And I just really felt that with these opening remarks. I felt like like this was us. You know what I'm saying? This this wasn't this wasn't a bunch of of you know wealthy uh, uh, leaders, disconnected old men getting up there saying how cool they were. They were telling, you know, they were saying, hey, this is what we are doing. All of us. This is what all of us are doing as a church. And I loved that. That really made an impression on me. Uh, continuing on. In 1831, uh, less than two years after the restored church was organized, the Lord gave this revelation to guide its members, and I believe all of his children worldwide. Behold, it is not meet that I should command in all things. For he that is compelled in all things, the same is a slothful and not a wise servant. Verily, I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause, and do many things of their own free will, and bring to pass much righteousness. For the power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves. And inasmuch as men do good, they shall in no wise lose their reward. Let's pause there. That was 
there's a lot of stuff there to unpack, right? I one of the things that I'm starting to recognize as I'm getting older is that the whole goal is to get yourself mentally, spiritually, uh, where you you want to go and do, right? Where you want to go and Nephi something, right? I think that we all start out, you know, especially like like I'm looking at my boys, you know, and there's times when I can tell they don't feel like going and 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 doing their their priesthood duties sometimes, right? And they're in the ironic priesthood, so a lot of times that's like, you know, maybe it's putting up chairs, taking down chairs, whatever, you know, going and doing fast offerings. We we did that the other day. You know, there's a lot of times we don't feel like that. And I think that that lasts a long time. It's just human nature, right? Uh, it's that spirit battling against the flesh thing, you know. But we really, like, the goal is to be to be anxiously engaged in a good cause. You know, to want to be anxiously engaged in a good cause. To not be slothful, to not wait until you're asked to do something, to be proactive and to get your, you know, get, get your butt off the couch and go do something, right? Um, the power, you know, going down here to, I, I highlighted for the power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves. The power is in us, Right? That's what I'm getting from that. The, the power is in them. That's really interesting wording for that scripture, isn't it? Uh, this revelation is now scripture. It was given to us as members. Do we always wait to be asked to do stuff? Are we getting off the couch? Wake up and do something more. You already have the power. That, it was a very strong... Uh, very strong thought as I wrote that down. And I thought, you know, the Lord is, is basically saying there, look, you have everything that you need. You have everything that you need. And if you are going about doing your father's business, right, he's, he's going to take care of you. He will, he will make things happen for you, right? He will give you the power in that very moment that will enable you to go out and to serve. You know, whatever the case is, if you need to go help somebody move, if you need to, you know, whatever. I, I just thought that was really interesting, that it's like, look, don't ask, or don't be asked, don't, wow, I can't talk, don't wait to be asked to go do something. The power is in you, right? The power is in them. Your agents unto, unto yourselves, go out there and make it happen, right? Very, very powerful thought there. Uh, continuing on. In more than 38 years as an apostle and over 30 years of professional employment, I have seen many generous efforts by organizations and persons of the kind this revelation describes as a good cause and bringing to pass much righteousness. There are uncounted examples of such humanitarian services throughout the world beyond our own borders and beyond our common knowledge. Contemplating this, I think of the Book of Mormon prophet King Benjamin, whose sermon included his eternal truth. When ye are in the service of your fellow beings, ye are only in the service of your God. 
Um, as you guys know, uh, me and my boys go and we do, uh, we go do sacrament to the homebound, and on occasion we are blessed with the opportunity to go to the old folks' home. Uh, we we have two in our ward, or excuse me, one in our ward and one in our stake. And uh, I have never felt closer to Christ, or even felt like like I have visited Christ so much as when I go and I serve those those elder folks, those elderly brothers and sisters, and that's something that I am now figuring out. And like that scripture means a lot more to me now, and it's a lot closer to my heart. And I feel much closer to the Savior, and I feel that I have more of a relationship with the Savior since I've been doing that type of thing, right? And it's, it's one of those things. You know, I'll, I'll go to my note here. Why is he mentioning this? That's a good question to ask yourself as you go through these, uh, these talks. So why is, uh, is President Oaks, why is he mentioning, why is he bringing this up? Right? Um, I want you guys to think about this setup. Why is he mentioning this? Why is he not just talking about our church and our efforts? This speaks volumes about the aim and efforts of the brethren. This is the Lord's work. We need to reach across the theological aisles now. Very, very powerful thoughts. Very interesting thoughts. You know, it's, it's interesting that he would bring up and quote uh, King Benjamin, and I would encourage you to go through and to to go through and check how many times king benjamin has been brought up in in the conferences right now christian homestead he's a he's a channel and he's he's got some really good stuff i i really enjoy a lot of his content he does a great job he puts a lot of time into his into his stuff he's putting out stuff every day i don't know how he does it but he actually went through and he, he pointed this out. And he was like, you know, they're quoting King Benjamin an awful lot lately. Like, it all of a sudden picked up. They didn't do it for a long time. They do it sporadically here and there. Right? And all of a sudden, just recently, there's like this huge uptick. It's really cool because the brethren are in sync. You know what I mean? They really are in sync. And... It's cool to see how the Lord is steering this boat. He is completely steering this boat. And to see how many people are bringing up King Benjamin. It's an interesting uh, experiment. You guys should totally go through and see how many times they're bringing it up. There's definitely been a huge uptick. And I would encourage you to go check that out. But I think that that this, this setup, and as we continue on throughout the talk, you'll see and find that, that this, is, this is not the time for us to have like wars of words 
to have any Bible bashing sessions. Like, I think that if we were able to see kind of like, if we, if we had the eyes to see spiritually, if we could see all of the evil influences that are like a tidal wave heading our way and, and amassing against us, you know, I think that we would be linking arms with our Christian, our fellow Christian uh, members of other denominations. And we wouldn't be so, uh, so much worried about about who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's kind of foolish to do right now. I'd, number one, I don't think any of my Baptist or you know any Protestant, any good Catholic uh, brothers and sisters are going to burn in the fires of hell. I don't think any of my Jewish brothers and sisters are going to burn in hell. You know what I'm saying? If there's any... If there's anybody, any religion that that has like absolutely has an understanding of grace, it really is like like we 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 know that everyone will have a chance to accept or reject the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ as taught in its pureness by Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of times that we we get hung up on the fact that it's like, well, well, who's who's right and who's wrong? It's like, you know what, guys, let's let's just focus on what we got in common, and what we got in common is Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And I think that we need to be there now, and I think that's kind of the message right now is to say, hey, you know what? I think we need each other. I I really do. Um, let's continue on here. Much welfare and humanitarian service to our fellow beings is taught and practiced by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and by us as its members. For example, uh, I just lost my place. Uh, for example, we fast at the first of each month and contribute at least the equivalent of the uneaten meals to help those in need in our own congregation. The church also makes enormous contributions for humanitarian and other services throughout the world. Uh, I wrote in my notes, are we doing this? <laughs> okay. Um, this is the standard. Are we doing this every month? Are we lackadaisical in our efforts on this, right? Uh, you can go back and listen to my podcast on the law of the fast. And... We we definitely have room for improvement on that, and I I think that we will need to have a mastery of the law of the fast, and and in turn we will also have a mastery of the law of sacrifice as things go on, and we will have as a necessity we will have an understanding of those of those two very important points of the of the of the gospel of and doctrine of Christ. Uh, going forward, and I think that we, in order for us to be able to call upon the Lord and to expect miracles, we absolutely will need that. Well, continuing on, despite all that, our church does directly most humanitarian services to the children of God worldwide is carried out by persons and organizations having no formal connection with our church. As one of our apostles observed, God is using more than one people for the accomplishment of his great and marvelous work. 
It is too vast, too arduous for any one people. And I want to stop right there and actually click on that footnote here. That was uh, a footnote. That was a, that was a quote by uh, Elder Orson F. Whitney from a conference report, April 1928, right? This isn't a new thing, guys. This isn't this isn't a new a new idea, right? This is this is something that's that's been a thought for a long time. Uh, as members of the restored church, we need to be more aware and more appreciative of the service of others. I think that you know, I I I, uh, I was listening to a a, a pastor. A, Protestant pastor who actually has a, a very favorable view of the church, and it was cool to see him meet with a podcaster who was a member of our faith, and they talked about a lot of the, of the similarities that we had. They talked about a lot of the um, they talked about a lot of the differences, and they cleared up a lot of the different things. You know what I mean that that we've argued about in the past and stuff, and it gave me a lot of hope for the future, because that's something that me and, and one of my, uh, my best friends were talking about, and we have talked about many times, like, you know, like, why are, why are we arguing about all this stuff? I, like I say, I don't think any of those guys are going to burn in the fires of hell. It's, you know what I'm saying? And I think deep down, I think if they were to, you know, to really search the scriptures, and if we were to have good conversations, I don't think that we would, that they would think that we're going to burn in the fires of hell, you know? There's a lot of, of stuff that I think that we need to admit that uh, we don't know right now. You know what I'm saying? And I think that there's, you know, I think in every Christian religion, you're going to have people that are going to say, well, we're right. Yeah, but we're right. Yeah, but we have everything. No, we have everything. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, let's not focus on that right now. Let's We can argue theology for the rest of our lives. We really can. I can argue theology with another member of the church for the rest of my life. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on the brotherhood um, of Christianity and helping each other and actually legitimately practicing Christianity, right? And I think that's the main message of, of Elder or President Oaks. I think that's really what he's trying to get uh, to put across to us is that in the words of Lord Elrond, right, from the Lord of the Rings, where he's talking to Gandalf and he's like, okay, so so Sauron is amassing his forces over here. He's like, our, our list of allies grows thin, you know. I think we're in that position as well. It's like, look, guys, we we don't need to be fighting each other. You know what I'm saying? We need to be locking arms and... uh swapping some some potluck recipes and you know we need to we we need to take that utah green jello and start passing it out the out the recipe to everybody else you know all the other congregations so they can partake of the the glory that is the green jello too right and there's a lot of great things that they have you know i've I, i've tasted a lot of that stuff down in texas on my mission and uh there's some good eats there's some good eats in those other uh religions but, <laughs> uh, continuing on here, the Church of Jesus Christ is committed to serving those in need. 
and it is also committed to cooperating with others in that effort. We recently made a large gift to the United Nations World Food Program. Let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Anytime I hear the word United Nations, I immediately, my, the hairs on the back of my neck immediately go up, right? And I think that, I think that you guys are probably a lot in the same, in, in the same mindset as well, right? If you're like me and you're a hardcore, uh, a hardcore conservative, a very much a, a very much hardcore conservative, right? Not conservative, but very hardcore conservative. As soon as you, you hear the word uh, United Nations, you immediately go, ugh, right? And I think that a lot of people um, have that same exact, <laughs> they have that yuck factor, right? How many people hear that and just go, ugh, yuck, you know? I put in my notes here, I recoiled at the noise of those words. However, this is God's work, and as such, we need to do a gut check. Is this our religion and faith, or is th is our religion and faith politics? You know, is our religion and faith... Uh, is politics our, our religion and faith? You know, I think that I have seen many people lately reveal that politics is their true it's their true religion, you know, and, and everything else comes secondary after that. And it's it really is a gut check. And I've shared this with you guys before, but I remember when President Nelson you know, he came out and said, Hey, let's let's not carry guns on our uh, on the church grounds. And for me, that was a gut check. That that hit me hard, you know. Um, I have a gun on me typically any time I, I leave my house. And I'm never more than probably shoot three, four feet from a gun at basically 80, 90% of the time. You know, it's it's just, it's a part of my culture. I, I was an, I, I was an army man, you know what I mean? I... I just, I like to be prepared. You know, I'm, I'm a security blanket type of guy. I don't want to be, the older I'm getting, the more I don't want to have to go hand-to-hand -hand with somebody, the more I probably can't go hand-to-hand -hand with somebody. I can still go give somebody heck, mind you. You know, I'm sorry. The, the boys still got it. You know what I mean? I'm still pretty strong and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm recognizing that I'm getting older and that, you know, having a gun on you is just good common sense you know that's it's it's the american culture we we don't we're not victims you know we're sheepdogs and it's one of those things where i had to come to terms with that and i had to say okay is my religion guns is my religion uh my politics or you know when i get pushed up against a wall by a, a, any point of doctrine am i going to bow my head and say yes or am I going to am I going to kick against the pricks you know it's uh it's interesting it's 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 an interesting thought process isn't it and it's hard it's it's not easy uh continuing on 
Over the many decades of our humanitarian work, two organizations stand out as a key collaborators. Projects with the Red Cross and Red Crescent agencies in dozens of countries have provided the children of God crucial relief during natural disasters and conflicts. Likewise, we have a long record of assistance with Catholic relief services. These organizations have taught us much about world-class relief. Okay, I think that that was a very, that was a very humble statement. That last sentence, these organizations have taught us much about world-class relief, right? I, I like that because it's a very humble approach. I'm not saying, hey, we, we can show them a thing or two. They're like, hey, these guys have taught us a lot, you know. Working together for the benefit of our brothers and sisters, um, that's what Christ, I think, is trying to get us to do. And I think that when he sees our church going out in force and, and linking arms with our Catholic brothers and sisters, with our Protestant brothers and sisters, and even with our non-Christian brothers and sisters, I think when they see us anxiously engaged, I think the Spirit's there, brothers and sisters. I really do. I think that the, and I think that the Lord, um, I think that puts a smile on His face. You know, you look at all the war and all the all the famine that's coming up and all these horrible things, and when we when we link up, when we join together as children of Adam and children of Abraham, you know, and sons and daughters of Noah, as we, as we find that, that common ground and we help each other and we help those in need, Christ is there. He really is there. Continuing on, we have also had fruitful collaborations with other organizations, including Muslim Aid, Water for People, and Israel, to name just a few. Uh, while each humanitarian organiz organization has its own areas of specializ specialization, we share the common goal of relieving suffering among God's children. All of this is part of God's work for His children. I think that's an important statement there. Um, God's work and His glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And the way that he does that, and something that we are, that we have forgotten, but I think that we are having to remind ourselves, is that the Lord does a lot of this through his children, right? The, so Christ is the architect. Christ is the architect, right? And he tells us that he, by his own will and his own admission, he has spoken to prophets and apostles, right? That is his, according to the New Testament, according to Paul, right? That is his foundation. That's how he, that's what he built his church on, was a foundation of prophets and apostles with himself being the chief cornerstone. Like, that was Christ's idea. He is the architect of that model, right? And... He doesn't need to do things that way. He doesn't need to He doesn't need to put anything in our hands. He could do it all himself, right? Like do we understand that? Do we recognize that? In order for him to bring to pass 
our immortality and eternal life, He allows us to grow and to stretch us by requiring us to take care of each other, to minister to each other. And I don't know that we could grow into beings that are worthy or that are able to be sufficiently righteous enough to lay hold upon Christ's grace if if it wasn't that way. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, we all fall short of the glory of God. There's literally nothing that we can do in our own power, right? There's nothing that we could do to make it, to gain that immortality and eternal life. Through the grace of God, through the grace of Christ, through the atonement, we are able to lay hold upon that free gift, right? But it's funny because that was all that was all God's idea. That was that was the Lord's plan. It's his plan to use us to help us, right? And you can see where he would be like, "Guys, don't don't wait to be asked. Go out and do it." Like it's not cuz he doesn't want to help. It's because he wants us to grow, to learn, to 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 get that, you know, to catch hold of that of that godly joy, that that godly light, that light of Christ that comes with helping each other, right? Regardless of if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or whether you're a Baptist, whether you're a, Pe a Pentecostal, a Seventh-day Adventist, right, an Amish, whatever, you know, like there's we, we should be serving each other, and we should be focusing on those things, and, and we should be learning from each other. You know, there's... It, it's really cool to hear this kind of a talk, and I didn't expect this kind of a talk, right? At a time when, and not to get too... Not, I'm not dragging politics into here, but I don't think anybody can deny that there is definitely a push for a new world order and those aren't my words, you know what I mean? There's World Economic Forum and all that other stuff. That they are the ones pushing that agenda. But what we have here is the... We have the, the doctrine of the two ways, as Hugh Nibley put it, right? You have the Tower of Babel way with Nimrod at the head, doing things with compulsion and force. Um you will own nothing and be happy type phrases. And then you have the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is all agency. It's saying, hey, yoke yourself with Christ. Take care of your fellow brothers and sisters, right? But it's a choice, right? It's a choice to do that. And, and when you make the choice to do that, that is where there is joy. And that is where, that is where the Spirit of God is dwells. Anyway, I don't want to get too, you know, too into politics here, but I, I felt that that needed to be said because a lot of people, I think, are accusing the church of following into the footsteps of the Nimrod model, and that is not the case. That is not the case. Don't get that confused. Um, it is the difference between communism and the law of consecration. It's exactly 
on those it, it, it's it's exactly that those two models right there uh, continuing on modern revelation teaches that our savior jesus christ is the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world see we're getting to the light of christ here by this all the children of god are enlightened to serve him and one another to the best of their knowledge and ability the Book of Mormon teaches that everything which inviteth and enticeth to do good and to love God and to serve Him is inspired of God. Uh, continuing. For behold, the Spirit of Christ is given to every man, that he may know good from evil. Wherefore, I show unto you the way to judge. For everything which inviteth to do good and to persuade to believe in Christ is sent forth by the power and gift of Christ. And now, my brethren, ye know the light by which ye may judge, which light is the light of Christ. Okay. In my notes here, I wrote off to the side, this is the standard on which we are to judge. Judge by the light of Christ, not by anything else. Time to get out of our church shells and link up to do God's work, right? There's that that theme again of let's let's get together. Let's get together with our Christian brothers and sisters, you know, those who are true followers of Christ. Let's get together and let's let let's judge by that light of Christ that we all possess and let's do some good work by that light of Christ that we all possess. Here are some examples of children of God helping other children of God with their vital needs for food, medical care, and teaching. Ten years ago, the Kendharis, a Sikh husband and wife in the United Arab Emirates, personally launched a remarkable effort to feed the hungry. Through the Guru Nanak Darbo Sikh temple, they are currently serving over 30,000 vegetarian meals every weekend to anyone who enters their doors. Regardless of religion or race. Dr. Kendari explains, we believe that all are one. We are children of one God and we are here to serve humanity. There's that difference, okay? I don't want to belabor the point too much, but there's that difference between communism and law of consecration, okay? These guys aren't even Christian. But they understand that. That's that's the light of Christ right there. We can work with people like that. I want to work with people like that. Um, just side note, you know, when Christ comes, it's not gonna be just Christians who are who who are here awaiting for him, who are uh on the earth when he reigns as king there will be others that are allowed to practice their religion you know and there will be, you know i'm sure that there will be a huge converting you know of of people to christianity of course um but it's not going to be a compulsion thing you know what i'm saying it's going to be a volunteer thing it's it's going to be interesting to see how many uh buddhists how many you know how many uh, of, of these uh, Muslim brothers and sisters and stuff are, are going to take a little bit of time maybe to convert? I, I don't know, but I know that Brigham Young has stated that there will be many different religions. It's not going to be just Latter-day Saints. There's going to be many, many different religions that are on the earth. 
when Christ is ruling and reigning. It's an interesting thought. Uh, the provision of medical and dental care to those in need is another example. In Chicago, I met a Syrian-American critical care physician, Dr. Zahar Salau. I don't know how to pronounce that. He is one of the founders of MedGlobal, which organizes medical professionals to volunteer their time, skills, knowledge, and leadership to help others in crisis, such as in the Syrian war, where Dr. Salau risked his life in giving medical care to civilians. Uh, Med, Med Global and similar organizations, including many Latter-day Saint professionals, demonstrate that God is moving professionals of faith to bring the poor needed relief worldwide. So in my notes I have uh, pause and think about this. So let's zoom out and look at the message of President Oaks. Again, ask yourself, why is he telling us all of this? That's a very useful thought experiment as we read these messages in General Conference. Why is he telling us all of this? Right? Continuing on. Many unselfish children of God are involved in teaching efforts also worldwide. A good example known to us through our humanitarian efforts is the activity of a man known as Mr. Gabriel, who has been a refugee from various conflicts on several occasions. He recently observed that hundreds of thousands of refugee children in East Africa needed help to keep their hopes alive and their minds active. He organized other teachers in the refugees' population into what they called tree schools, where children were gathered uh, for lessons under the shade of tree, under the shade of a tree. He did not wait for others to organize or direct. I highlighted that. And I have a note that goes along with that. Okay, I said, boom. <laughs> Back to the scripture cited earlier. It is not needful to be commanded in all things. Be anxiously engaged. This is how we become a Zion people. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to that. But personally, let efforts that have provided learning opportunities for thousands of primary school children during stressful years of displacement. Uh, brothers and sisters, that is the goal, isn't it? The goal is for us to become a Zion people, and we are being told by our uh, our brethren, especially in general conferences, they are mentioning the city of Zion. They are starting to mention uh, Enoch and the, the people of Enoch and the city of Enoch. Uh, they even mention to to the Relief Society sisters and and the young women, right? They. They told them that, that they would be the ones who would welcome in the city of Enoch, that them and their daughters and their granddaughters would welcome the city of Enoch when they came again. That is a massive statement. That's huge, right? That is like, that's incredible. So again, going back to why is he telling us all this? It's because we are to become a Zion people. And remember that that city of Zion, when it is built, there will be something called the, the, the Quorum of Fifty, right? And that 
will be made up of not only LDS people, of, of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I should say, but it will be made up of many different religions, and we will all be working together for, for the common goal of Christ, right? It's an interesting thing to study, to go into. Again, shout out to Micah over at the Two LDS Archives. Uh, go search up his stuff where he talks about the, the Council of Fifty, or the, excuse me, the Quorum of Fifty. It's interesting. It's very interesting. It's more of a governmental uh, arm of the church, right? Super interesting stuff. But I can't help but feel that we are being prepared for that Zion people mentality. You know what I mean? It's it's almost like an uptick. Like, I think that we've always worked together with other organizations and stuff like that, but I feel like there's an, there's a, a surge now, like there's a, a boost, and that we are being counseled a lot more hardcore to be ready to be in that mentality uh, for the future, for things that will happen here shortly. And it's kind of exciting. It's scary and exciting at the same time, but I think that we need to be ready. We need to stand in holy places and just be ready. Uh, continuing on here. Of course, these three examples do not mean that everything said or done by organizations or individuals purporting to be good or of God is truly that. Okay? There's always going to be some bad folks. There's bad apples, unfortunately. These examples do show that God inspires many organizations and individuals to do much good. It also shows that more of us should be recognizing the good done by others and supporting it as we have the time and means to do so, right? In my notes, I said, what sign are you showing God? And that's a quote from Elder Bednar. What sign are you showing God? What is your heart set on? Uh, what are you anxiously engaged in? That's another gut check moment, right? Uh, Christian Homestead, he said something recently that, that stuck out to me. And he said, you know, I wonder if a lot of the people that are super wealthy and stuff, if it's because they set their hearts on wealth and that's why they're super healthy or wealthy, excuse me. You know, and it made me think, I thought, you know, I wonder how many members of the church have set their, and, and this, this could go for any religion, but how many folks have set their hearts on riches and they just go through the motions of church. You know what I'm saying? So they end up getting rich. And, you know, that, that that's not a bad thing. Being wealthy is not an evil or bad thing. It can be, but... It's, it's interesting to think about. That's, you know, just, just an, interesting, an interesting thought experiment. And I, it, it kind of made an impact on me. I thought, huh, I wonder if there's something to that. Uh, continuing on, here are some examples of service the church supports and which our members and other good people and organizations also support with individual donations of time and money. I begin with religious freedom. And, you know, President Oaks, he was a, uh, he was a judge, right, for, for the state of Utah. 
he was a judge, so that's it's constitutional law. You know what I mean? He he knows this stuff, and I I think that that's interesting. That that was kind of his thing, you know. And he is the next in line for the next uh, next in line to be the next prophet. I I I don't think that that is by chance. I don't think it was by chance that Elder or President Nelson, or you know, at the time. Elder Nelson was was called to be the prophet. You know, he was next in line for the time when the pandemic hit and stuff. I just don't think these things happen by by chance, guys. I just don't. There's also a lot of interesting stuff with what number of prophet they are and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, it, it's fun. It's fun. I'm not going to get off on that tangent, but I just think that's interesting. I begin with religious freedom, he says. In supporting that, we serve our own interests, but also the interests of, of other religions. Okay. As our first president, Joseph Smith, taught, we claim the privilege of worshiping Almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience and allow all men the same privilege. Let them worship how, where, or what they may. Other examples of the restored church, humanitarian, and other assistance that are also supported voluntarily by our members are our well-known schools, colleges, and universities, and our less known but now published large donations for the relief of those suffering from the destructions and dislocations of natural disasters like tornadoes and earthquakes. Other charitable activities our members support by their voluntary donations and efforts are too numerous to list. But just mentioning these few will suggest their variety and importance, combating racism and other prejudices, researching how to prevent and cure diseases, helping the disabled, supporting music organizations, and improving the moral and physical environment for all. I highlighted that last part there. You know, how many problems would we have if we just followed that last sentence right there, improving the moral and physical environment for all. There was a time when America thrived because everybody was doing that, right? If we could get back to doing that, if we could have husbands and wives that would uh, stay together, well, number one, if they would get married, and if they would concentrate on family, if family was the most important thing to them, right? If we could get back to that, if we could get back to God, and we just worked on improving the moral and physical environment for all, really we wouldn't have a lot of problems. You know what? We really wouldn't. A lot of these problems would fix themselves. It's interesting to think about. Continuing on, all of the humanitarian efforts of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints seek to follow the example of a righteous people described in the Book of Mormon. And thus, in their prosperous circumstances, they did not send away any who were very naked. Or, excuse me, who were naked. I guess, you know, you can't be more than, than naked. You can't be very naked. You're just naked. <laughs> or that were hungry, or that were athirst, or that were sick. And they were liberal to all, both old and young, both bond and free, both male and female, whether out of the church or in the church. Pause. That was some meaty stuff right there. 
That sums up the entire talk. I have that written in my notes off to the side, that this sums up the entire talk. This is the goal. This is how you get to be a Zion people. Are, are we willing to do this? I'm reminded of the quote uh, from President Kimball, a test, a test, a test is coming. Are you ready for the test? Will you be prepared to share what you have? Will you not only follow the prophet, but be anxiously engaged? Did that people in the Book of Mormon wait to be told how to help or to help? Think about that. Um, interesting thought experiment. Here's a gut check for you. Theoretical. Purely theoretical. A famine hits. You have been preparing. You have been storing food. You have a two-year supply of food. You have enough for your family for two years. It comes down uh, from the first presidency, right? And they say, hey, we're going to need everybody in these areas, these selected areas, of which you are one, to hand in their food storage to uh, their, their bishops. And the bishops will then hand it into the stake, and they will take that food and they will disperse it out to everybody. Would you have the faith to do that, brothers and sisters? These guys didn't. They... The guy down the street didn't save up any food. He doesn't deserve my food. <laughs> right? Those are thoughts you're going to be having. What if it comes down? What if it comes down from the, from the top? I want, hey, these areas, hand in your food. Now it's not going to be something done by compulsory means. This is going to be voluntary. And I, you know, I've, I've posed this, this theoretical question to people. And they go, well, they would never do that. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they would. Maybe that's exactly what's going to happen. Think about that. That's a gut check, isn't it? Knowing that these other guys didn't put, didn't put, put any food, they, you know, they, didn't have, they don't have any skin in the game, right? They're just, they're just the, uh, purely the, the recipient, Right? Words like leech might come to mind as, as you're getting ready to hand in your food, right? <laughs> do we have the faith to do that? Or is the prophet going to be a fallen prophet? Are thoughts like that going to enter your mind? Because all of the, the, the prepper people that you have spoken to have said, no, anybody who doesn't prepare, sorry, you get nothing. And that's fair. I'm not saying that's not fair. That's fair. Fair's fair. And that's fair. However, and again, this is all theoretical, but I do see that being a possible, a very possible scenario. 
And in that situation, I would be banking on, on the fish and loaves miracle. I would. And I think that we need to make that decision right now. Are you going to, are you going to give? Are you going to obey? Interesting. Very interesting, brothers and sisters. I'm hitting you with the hard stuff. I think that that is going to be part of the test. Being a Zion people is not easy. It's not going to be easy. You literally have to give up everything that you own and follow Christ. But when you truly absorb that golden rule, when you are truly just as worried about your, your fellow man as you are about yourself, does that, food does that food storage question even become a question? Or do you say, whatever the outcome of this is, I am prepared to not just live as a Christian, but to sell my testimony as a Christian with my, with my death, if need be. And maybe the last, maybe one of the last acts on earth that you do is to share your food storage. I'm just throwing this out there. This is, it's an interesting thought experiment that I have thought about at, at, you know, extensively. I've, I've thought about this a lot, and I've spoken about this with a lot of people. And if you want to get all sorts of different reactions, bring this up in your circle of, of friends. It's an interesting, interesting thought experiment, right? Regardless, the goal is to become a Zion people, a people who are refined, and who will be refined in the refiner's fire. The dross will be separated. The chaff will be separated from the wheat. And the people that are left over will be the people who will redeem Zion and who will build the city of, of New Jerusalem. Those are the folks who will be able and who will be willing and who will be righteous and who will be worthy of being called a Zion people. That's, that's where I want to be. So I'm trying to come up with all these different scenarios. You know what? In the end, I will follow the prophet. I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm making that decision now. Follow the prophet. He knows the way. Not because he is an extraordinarily intelligent, above-average man, but because of the rank, right? Because of the mantle. Because of who he is speaking to.
very interesting and and fun thoughts, but that's where I that's where I line up. Follow the prophet, he knows the way. Follow the foundation. Uh, to finish up here, Elder Oaks finishes by saying, I testify of Jesus Christ, whose light and spirit guide all of the children of God in helping the poor and distressed throughout the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Brothers and sisters, We know that we are in the last days of the last days. I believe very strongly with, with all my heart that we are being prepared as well as being sifted right now. And I spoke with this... Um, briefly with one of the members of my congregation in my ward where I said, you know, as a kid, I always wondered what the sifting was going to look like. And before I could even say it, uh, this brother stole the words right out of my mouth. He said, it looks like today. It looks like right now. And I said, you're exactly right. It looks like right now. We are being sifted. And I think that we can all see a lot of chaff. I think we're seeing it in, in our personal lives, in our personal relationships. And it is with a, a heavy heart that, that we see these things. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, not everybody is going to hold to the iron rod. I hope and pray, brothers and sisters, that you do. I'm going to. I've made that choice. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care how stupid I look. I don't care how foolish I look. I am I'm sticking to my guns. I am... I'm not letting go of that iron rod. And that prophet who's standing in place of Lehi at the end of the iron rod, who's hanging out by the tree of life, my eyes are set on him. That's not because I worship a prophet. That's not because of idolatry. It's nothing like that. It's because I want to get back to Christ. I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to make it back to my Father in heaven. And the way to make it back is to follow the plans, the blueprints of the architect. Not to come up with what, what I think. Not to try to use scriptures to, to, to bend to my will of how I think things should go but to use the blueprints from the architect, from Christ, from him saying, look, I want you to listen to my prophet, to my apostles, and not only that, I want you guys to help each other. 
Brothers and sisters, make the choice now. Don't don't let that don't let those decisions, don't let these things come up and catch you unawares. Make the decision now. Who's on the Lord's side who? I'm going to close by bearing you guys my testimony. I know that President Oaks is a true and living apostle of Jesus Christ. He is just as much a special witness of Christ as was Paul, as was Peter, James, John, Matthias. You know what I'm saying? I know that Christ lives. I know that He is leading and guiding the church today. And I know that He not only wants the best for me and that He wants me to make it, but He wants me to help others to make it. That's something that's becoming more clear. I pray that that these podcasts, that these spiritual discussions that we have, I pray that they find somebody and that they do some good for somebody. And that's not for my own self-aggrandizement or my own self-gratification. The glory goes to the great Jehovah. The glory goes to God. Because it's His Spirit that's doing that work. I'm just trying to get up off the couch and, and raise my voice and do something. I love you guys. I really do. I have love in my heart for you guys. And with everything and all the craziness going on in the world, I hope that we can, in our own spheres of influence, try to hold it together and try to put it back together if need be. I love the Messiah. I look forward to His return. And I hope and pray that He does return quickly. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.